Good morning, church family. It is really good to be with you. I've uh, really enjoyed studying, and as I study, uh, seeing your faces and, and proclaiming your names in prayer time. When I walk through the, the church, and I know where most of you sit, that I pray for you. And I know that things are going well for you, and I know that even if you're facing some challenges, that you have the word inside you and you're, you're following the leading of the Holy Spirit. What I'm trying to say is you are an amazing people and it's so good to be in your family. Something that I want to speak to you about is during this pandemic, we did not expect a second shutdown. But let me explain to you what I sense Uh, the Lord saying to me about this. The enemy hated how you rose up after the first shutdown. Remember that, how the glory of our worship and everything that um, our church did and how we were growing and reaching out to one another and blessing one another. And God was just doing some amazing things and all of a sudden we come together, we're worshiping together and the second shutdown comes. What I have seen is the second shutdown was the enemy really throwing an ultimate attack towards the church and your homes. I've sensed that, I've understood that, and in my prayer time, I have battled that, and I believe that I have defeated that. But I've also been communicating with people around the world, also in the United States, many uh, young pastors, pastors in uh, many different nations. And what they've been telling me is that they have experienced in many people and some of their leadership, depression, even suicide. Locking themselves up in the home and not being around, wanting to be around anybody. Family difficulty, selfishness, just really running rampant, a lack of giving. Sickness and disease were uh, other uh, reports. And my statement to you is this. We can't forget. We can't forget who God is. We can't forget what God is has done in and through us. Have you forgotten who you are? You are gifted and called of God to do a particular unique thing in this world. And depression and and locking uh, yourself up and just not wanting to be around all the stuff going on from political to pandemic, everything going on. But I want to say to you, you have a unique call of God. And I would ask you in the second shutdown, and soon we will have a second reopening, that we, the church, rise up. That we, our family, are prepared by the way you are speaking and talking with one another. That you rise up and ready yourself for the year of harvest, for what God is is doing. Remember the prophecy. If you haven't read that yet, Go to our webpage and you'll be able to experience 
the plans of God through this prophecy. We need to see everything through the eyes of God, through the eyes of his word. You see, with man, there are situations, there's not an answer. Because man has many opinions and many thoughts and many beliefs. But there's only one that's true. And the truth will set you free. And that truth is what Jesus Christ, the Word of God, says. We need to give big. We need to give in every area of our life. That was what happened after the first shutdown. We began to be a people that gave bigger than ever in every area of our life. And we saw blessings in relationships. We saw blessings in people getting born again and healed. Lives were being changed through the unique, the unique way that we are preaching the word now. No, I just don't like preaching the word through a screen. I want to be with you. I want, I want to sit down with you and, and to talk with you and to hug you and, and to be with you. But even in that time, because we rose up and we just said, no, we're not going to allow this to defeat us. And we just began to be these huge givers. Let me ask you, God's not schizophrenic. God is not saying to you to do something different. He's saying, do the same thing. Rise up and begin to move in that area. I proclaim in Jesus' name that when you even return your tithe and give your offering, that you will give bigger than you ever did before. When you go to your neighbor, that your eyes will be able to see the needs that they have and that you'll be able to give bigger in that area, not that they could see that you are a giver, but that they could see Jesus Christ through your life. That's what this is all about. So when you spend time in the hiding place of what we've been talking about, you will see the need for one another. Let me just explain to you. In the second reopening we're going to see relationships like we've never seen before. It's not just because we missed one another, but it's because we're going to see that God is returning us back to one another. There's a strength that we have when we go to the hiding place, spend time with God, and when we leave that hiding place, that secret place, then we begin to fellowship with one another we're going to see some powerful things. Some of you may ask, Pastor, is that a prophecy? Yeah. Pastor, is that a word from the Lord? Absolutely. So as we move into our sermon today, we're talking about our hiding place. And what we really want to dive into is this. The hiding place shows us our need for one another. Because of the intimacy that we have with God, and we, we move into our careers and our life and our families, what you and I begin to experience is there's a power of us fellowshipping with one another. In Hebrews chapter 10 Verses 24 and 25, Paul is convinced 
of our need for one another. Watch what he says. He says, and let us consider one another in order to stir up love and good works, not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together, as is the manner of some, but exhorting one another, and so much the more as you see the day approaching. The early church saw Jesus crucified and saw him after the resurrection. They were absolutely convinced Jesus was coming back in their lifetime. Paul was declaring that Jesus was coming back, so a key for for then was to stay connected, meeting together. If you're going to walk in this amazing anointing and power, one of the keys is staying together as a body of Christ. Is begin to understand the anointing of that agreement that we have with one another. So here we are over 2,000 years later, and the signs of the times show us a move of the Holy Spirit and Christ's return. As Paul's words were true back then, they are absolutely true for us today. Let's begin to dig into this and let's begin to explain this to you. Let us spur one another to come together in worship, praise, prayer, and the study of the Word of God. The word spur means to encourage, even to irritate one another, (laughs) to love and to do good deeds. The word indicates it's one of the most important things that you do, to love one another and to do well in that area. There are three areas God wants us to do this in. First, your family. Second, your marriage. And third, the body of Christ or The Bible calls it the church. But notice in America, these are the three attacks that we face. The world wants to re-identify the family, your marriage, and church. Let me just kind of stop here for a second and make a statement and really listen to this statement. Satan understands that if the family, your marriage and the church recognizes you have been gifted to be powerful in these areas, Satan's days and impact will be devastated. When the church rises up and begins to recognize the anointing that they have, that the enemy has no authority over, then everything that he's trying to do will be devastated. (coughs) Excuse me. However, that's why there is a supernatural attack on these three relationships. When the church especially become connected to one another, we become a power that no demon in hell or on earth can stop. The second reopening 
the challenge that we have, all the negativity, all the words, all the fear that's been proclaimed, where does our heart need to be set on? (laughs) When we become this power, we love, we serve, and we care for one another. Being offended is not in our vocabulary. That's the time of the day. Everybody needs to be offended. Well, my Bible says to me, we said this last week, that if I become offended, then no miracle can take place in my life. That's what the enemy's trying to do. He's trying to get you in one of those three areas to be so offended that the miraculous stops in your life. In America, if you can get 20% of your church involved in accountability, you're doing well. Did you know that in Africa and Central America, their average is 80 to 95%? Jesus came and invested his life into ours And most of the words Jesus spoke, they were spoken in an intimate setting. Today we call it a small group. See, it's a joy for us as a church to see the place full and the worship and the music and everything that we do. And it's just a joy to watch that and to experience that. But what God is saying is I want you to Uh, be excited about that and enjoy that. But your heart is this, is intimacy, small groups. Jesus invested into the 11. The 11 turned into 120. And quickly, out of that 120, 3,000 got saved. There was no church building. So what did they do? to experience what we think church is. When you spend time in the hiding place, the secret place, you do what they did in Acts chapter 2. Let me read it to you. Listen very closely to this. Acts chapter 2, verse 42 says, And they continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine. I'm going to show you four things. The apostles' doctrine and fellowship in the breaking of bread, and in prayers. Then fear came upon every soul, and many wonders and signs were done through the apostles. Now all who believed were together and had all things in common, and sold their possessions and goods, and divided them among all as anyone had need. Now you will find in the church, this is the only time in Jerusalem, this is the only time that is ever proclaimed that they would do that come together, give everything, and and to share it. Everywhere else, that's not what they were asked to do. So continuing daily with one accord in the temple and breaking bread from house to house, they ate their food with gladness and simplicity of heart, praising God and having favor with all the people. And the Lord added to the church daily those who were being saved. If you do these four things people are going to get saved. Hmm. So you know why many were being saved? 
The intimacy you get out of the hiding place teaches you how to invest into others or lost people. What I'm trying to say here, the hiding place is not just that it's a safe place that we talked about. It's not that that power that we talked about, that anointing and knowing who God is, that secret place and that he speaks to you and what a joy it is. But it really, what it is, is to show you who God is in an intimate way. So when you walk away, when you walk from the hiding place, you begin to experience that intimacy with one another. See, what God is saying to us is that we are important to one another. The moment you begin to give yourself away to others, you will become a soul winner. So the question then, again, is what were their early church committed to in the relationships with other people? They were committed to four things, and you can only understand, listen to this, you can only understand the importance of the four is when you spend time in the hiding place, a relationship with God. See, a lot of people, well, let's, let's do this program. Let's do that program. Let's do this. Let's get together and do this. Well, you can't really understand the power of it until you spend time with God, the hiding place. But when you come out of that hiding place, what happens is you realize how important your brother and sister is to you. Hmm. So the moment people become important to you and you give of yourself to people, you become a soul winner. Well, let's look at these four. The first is the early church was devoted to the apostles' teaching. What does this mean to you and me? You have to be devoted to sound doctrine. Whatever service you come to at Valley Community Church, whatever Bible study that you go to, you will experience sound doctrine. We live in a confusing world where people say things that are not true and people believe them because they say it enough. Or there's a bigger crowd. Oh, it must be true because there's a bigger crowd, really. Here's the second thing they were devoted to. The early church was devoted to fellowship. They partnered with one another. They were devoted to one another and their families. They cared for each other. Instead of waiting for an apostle to do it or the pastor, they needed the pastor to teach the word or give sound doctrine because they were the ones that were going to fellowship and have intimacy and relationship with their brothers and sisters. Here's the third. The early church was devoted to breaking of bread. I kind of like this. And we, we do this really well at Valley. You must eat together. Having people over to your house sharing food. Terry and I have really worked hard through our lives to even budget in our budget 
to bring people over, to go out with people, to spend time with people. Why is that? Because it's such an important thing of knowing the importance of you, my brother and sister in my life. See, this is about sitting across from the table and learning of one another, learning of your families, learning of, your, of their children. And watch this. It's just not eating in and out. It's a supernatural event. It's where the Holy Spirit is so pleased. The presence of God is there. And God brings healing and he brings revelation in these times that you spend with one another. See, what, I, what I'm doing in my own life, just personally, is I'm just readying myself just to be with you when we reopen. I don't have time to be depressed. I don't have time to feel like, well, I'm just going to shut the door. I'm just going to sit at the house every day, watch TV, and do nothing because of all the stuff that's going on in the world. There's all this chaos in the world. Church family, there's always been chaos in the world. But be of good cheer, God's overcome it. So my focus is what they were devoted to. And I'm asking you, <coughs> excuse me, in this second reopening, is to, when you come, when you begin to move into that realm of the reopening, <laughs> that you begin to look at one another in a different way. How important your brothers and sisters are. Whether you're an usher, part of fine arts, teaching, courtyard, whatever it is, or you're just attending, the person sitting next to you is so vital to the health of your life and your walk with God, especially when you are spending time in the hiding place. And let me just say this to you, because I know there are books out there, and I teach, you know, the Bible teaches that everyone has gifts differing, but we come together with one goal, and that's serving Christ. We all have the gift of hospitality. The first church was devoted to being together. Pastor Dan said it today, and I thank God he did. Social distancing is not our new norm. No. Nope. It goes against kingdom principles. When we gather again, our new norm is being passionate about being with one another, eating at the table, because it's supernatural. Spending time with one another in services and worship, in our prayer times, OSL, women's ministries, men's ministries, whatever we're part of, that's supernatural. Begin to prepare yourself and your heart by getting into the hiding place and finding how God really feels about the church and about you so that you can express that to your brothers and sisters. Salvation and healing manifests when this takes place. Well, here's the fourth thing. The early church was excited and devoted to prayer. See, this is a paid commercial for journaling, 
getting involved with small groups, OSL, attend every service, and when we call for prayer, you run to it. When we call for for fasting, you run to it. Be a devoted follower of Jesus. See, at Valley, we believe in the power and anointing of being in relationship with one another. But I need to tell you this. There are also a couple things that keep you and I from spiritual intimacy. There are two things, major things, that will keep you from this. First of all, there is a social trend today of isolationism and disengagement. See, it's not just because of a pandemic. It is a ploy of the enemy to distance you from intimacy with God and with your brothers and sisters. It is an attack on the very essence of the church. In America, it is now normal to be lonely. But I know this is going to blow you away. I can drive up to my house and I can push a button. The garage door opens up. I drive into the garage. I push the same button. The garage door comes and it closes. Then I can isolate myself from the outside world. I can say I did my deed I did what I was supposed to do, but now I'm going to isolate. I don't have to be vulnerable anymore. Matter of fact, I'm not going to be vulnerable anymore. That's why people are struggling with depression. Because being vulnerable to one another is a key of relationship. We think I don't have to give myself away. My time, my monies, etc., I can live in a totally protective culture of what I want to do. Remember, not my will, but your will be done. It's not about what I feel. It's not about what I want to do. It's about what God wants to do. I don't want to. I want to live in the result of kingdom living. People matter to me. You matter to me. And guess what? I should matter to you. Invest yourself into others. See, with many, it's this way. They say, I own my world, and everyone must pay rent to be a part of my world. In other words, you got to be exactly what I want you to be to be part of my world. That's not what the Word of God says. Here's a second reason we are not intimate with one another. We are afraid of becoming vulnerable. John 8, 12, Jesus spoke to others saying this. Then Jesus spoke to them again saying, I am the light of the world. He who follows me shall not walk in darkness, but have the light of, my, of life. See, darkness is misery. It's an ignorance, darkness is an ignorance of divine things that causes misery. 1 John 2.11, the same writer, John, says this. 
But he who hates his brother is in darkness and walks in darkness, does not know where he is going because the darkness has blinded his eyes. You want to see that? Just turn on the TV. And you'll see people doing things and they feel like they have this great purpose, but they're blinded in darkness. We have broken relationships that we do not fix. Some are miserable because of that. John tells us this brokenness brings misery and it is a curse of darkness. So what I'm going to do is to challenge you in closing here to build your life in relationships and make it right. Where are you at today? What are you thinking? Realign, readjust, so that when we come back together, there's a joy of relationship. But remember, that can only really happen if you spend time every day in that hiding place with God. Remember the city of refuge? Remember the secret place? That's what it's about. Matthew 5 says this, Therefore, if you bring your gift to the altar and there remember that your brother has something against you, leave your gift there before the altar and go your way. First, be reconciled to your brother and then come and offer your gift. When the second reopening happens, be different. The enemy's ploy is to steal, kill, and destroy. He has no authority over you. Choose not to be offended and repair what's broken, and then let's change our world. Let me pray for you. Father, thank you for the truth of the Word of God and the Holy Spirit that is overwhelming our hearts today. All the thoughts, all the fears, all the negative words mixed up with all the desires of God, all the times that we spent with God. What do we choose? Father, help us to see clearly your will, not ours, so that we may come back together, that we may give greater than we ever have before, giving in our tithe, giving in our offering, giving in in every area of our life, giving to our spouses, giving to our children, our parents, and even once in a while, giving to ourselves. Blessings and blessings upon this amazing church family and all our friends that are watching. Blessings to them, Father. Anoint them. Let them see this revelation. In Jesus' name, amen. I value you. God bless you.